Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the VIP Jazzwall Report. Our guest today is none other than Devon Franklin. He's a preacher, teacher, author, and film producer. If you've heard of movies like The Karate Kid 2, The Pursuit of Happiness, Sparkle, and Jumping the Broom, then you'll see his name flash in lights among the production credits. He's a rising force in Hollywood, and The Hollywood Reporter named him one of the top 35 executives under 35. His combined Hollywood projects have brought in over 1.3 billion dollars. And while many of my guests have inspired us through their beliefs, Devon is out to inspire us through film, through TV, through his preaching, and through his book called Produced by Faith. It's my pleasure to welcome the multi-talented, single-minded, and very inspiring Devon Franklin. Welcome to the show, Devon. Hey, Vip. Thanks so much for having me. What an introduction. Thank you. Well, such a beautiful name, Devon. Devon, it sounds divine. (laughs) And, you know, there's some irony there because, you know, Devon and divine, your name is your purpose. You know what's so interesting about that? A quick little anecdote. Uh, mm. When I went to USC, uh, somebody had found a keychain, and they dropped it off at the office where I was working. Right. And the receptionist came over and said, hey, Devon, um, someone said that you lost your keychain. It has, it has your name on it. And when they brought over the keychain, it said Devon. And I literally still have that, that keychain today. I, that's where all my keys are. So, you know, maybe that's prophetic. Maybe that is, uh, you know, signaling, signaling what my life would be about. I, I hope I can live up to it. But what does it mean? Because it sounds so good. I mean, I, you know, I might use that when I go to the club next time. <laughs> Devon Jaswell. <laughs> try it. Try it. Try it. You know, maybe the keys of free drinks or something. <laughs> But what does it mean? What is my name? My Mm. name doesn't actually. Actually, I have no idea what Devon means. My middle name is Paul, Mm. and I know that that means little but wise. Um, And you know, my mother just liked the name Devon, so she gave it to me. But I've never really been able to figure out what it means because I spell my name with a capital V, not uh, D E V O N capital, but it's D E capital V O N. That's so European, though, isn't it? Very much so. So, you know, if anyone knows what it means, please tell me. I'm anxious to know. Well, let's find out more about you if we don't know what your name means on this show. Now, you're quite an enigma. You're a preacher, teacher, author, film producer. Which role best defines you? Oh, wow. You know, I would say the role that best defines me, you know, is is the thing that connects all of those various hats that I wear together, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, I'm here to, to inspire. I'm here to motivate. Uh, that is my true passion. I believe it's my true calling. And, you know, the movies, the, the television appearances, the books, the preaching, it's all comes from, stems from the root of, you know, how can I help people uh, live their best life? How can I help motivate them to go beyond where they are and to believe and have the faith to know that what they uh, dream about is is possible, and and that is really the connective tissue, I think, that allows all of those different hats to work uh, so far, you know, well together. Now you interact with a lot of people through all these roles that you play. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this last night, uh, and I knew I was going. I wanted to ask you: in your experience, do you think people are moving away from faith? and more towards inspiration. Um, Because the reason I ask that, inspiration is about 
feeling good, whereas religion is about doing good. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, yeah. you know, dealing with self mm-hmm. in in today's world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think my definition of you know inspiration uh, in faith may be different, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming you know you, the connotation we're saying is faith is 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 your spiritual belief, right? right. And inspiration is just something that that keeps you going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really look at the two as hand in hand because you know your faith does inspire you to keep going even in the even in the midst of incredible obstacles. And in my experience, in, in just being out there and you know traveling the country and seeing what's going on, um, I see that there's a, a, an increase in in faith and people wanting you know more of an understanding on how to tap into that. Um, you know when I look at inspiration. You know, I don't really look at inspiration as as a as a feel good kind of thing. I, I look at inspiration as like, yo, I'm in a sick situation or circumstance that I have no idea how I'm going to get out. Uh, I am in a situation that is has no bearing on where I really believe I can be, uh, and I don't even like the person who looks back at me in the mirror. So inspiration, you know, whether it's through a sermon, whether it's through a book, whether it's through a movie, whether it's through television, you know, can, is that thing that you need to remind us of who we are. Because here's the truth. I talk about this all the time. I always say, listen, no matter who you're supposed to be, understand that the mark you are going to make in the world is always connected to other people that you're supposed to help. So it's not a selfish endeavor to become who you're supposed to be. It's actually, I believe, part of the purpose of community and the purpose of how we all uh, work together. Because me becoming Devon Franklin you know, part of that is that there are other people who need what it is I have to offer. It's not like, oh, yeah, I get to be senior vice president of production. That's great for me. No, no. It's like, no, no, I don't even look at it like that. I'm like, I'm doing this because at the end of the day, there are people out there who need the help. So when I look at inspiration, I look at faith. Um, you know, again, I, I, don't, I don't look at inspiration as just, oh, here's, here's something to make you feel good. You know, inspiration is persevering uh, and getting the motivation to persevere, even when you talk about helping people, right? Because you people, even when you're altruistic, you know, and, and you're about community, you you still have days where you're depressed. You oh, still yeah. have days, even in the midst of, of of committing your life to you know what people would say God's work, right? And, and even if you know if you're you know a missionary or if you're just a pastor or a preacher, or you just say, hey, listen, I'm going to go down this mission and that's going to be my thing. Whatever your altruistic endeavor may be, you still get depressed. So it, it, no matter how committed you are to self or to community, I think we all need moments of inspiration to give us the perspective uh, and give us the motivation to keep going, especially if you, you know, have faith. I mean, I was raised as a Christian, and, and I can tell you, and you know, it's like it, growing up as a Christian uh, requires a lot of faith, right? And there it requires even, a lot of work. It sure does. Even in this business, you know, being Christian, you know, has been challenging at times because, again, it's like you know, we walk by faith, not by sight. So there was something that God put in me to draw me to the industry, but there wasn't always a reality that gave me evidence that what I thought was going to happen was going to happen. But do you so, think religions becoming maybe? to some people a little boring and and maybe to some people a little irrelevant in today's world and and they need people like you to help re-inspire their faith. Yeah, I I think that there is a growing um, cynicism and skepticism attached to religion Mm -hmm. because I think that there have been, you know, when you look at people who uh, 
people have associated with various religions. And you know, look, we're all we're all not perfect, right? We all we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. And so people. Uh, that's what my wife says too. <laughs> my wife says it too. Um, so I think that when you see people, you know, who uh, have have been human and had human moments, um, the collateral damage sometimes of those human moments is that. It, it hasn't been great PR for religion, right? right? And so the person that may be skeptical, when they look at the headlines and they see various things that, that enforce their skepticism about religion, they turn away from the institution because they don't think that anyone associated with it is genuine and pure of heart, right? Mm-hmm. And that their intentions are good. So I do believe that part of you know, what God is doing in my life and, and what I aspire to do is to put a different face on that. Uh, to to make it uh, more relevant in ways that are organic to the way God has called me to to live, and to help people understand that you know, listen, you can still tap into God's plan for your life. You can still uh, understand that it's it's not just about you; it's about others, uh, and and that there's value to having a relationship with God. There's value, you know. I mean, I tell any Christian you know that I meet, I'm like, let yo, you know, being a Christian is not easy, but it's valuable. And just because you may um, be distant from religion, don't think that that means you should also be distant from God, because I think that you, that's not our excuse to do that. Now, within Christianity, mm-hmm. you're a Seventh-day Adventist. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me what that is? Yes, I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist, and, you know, it's a Christian uh, denomination, right. and one of the, the main tenets of the denomination is to observe Sabbath. So uh, Saturday, Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. Uh, is a day of, of rest. You know, the Bible says in Exodus, you know, remember this uh, Sabbath day to keep it holy. So we observe the Sabbath, and, and I've always done that. So it's and, from yeah. sunset on Friday to yes. sunset on Saturday. Saturday. That's your day off. Yes. So would there be a special name for me because I don't work on any given day? Wait, would there be a special name <laughs> I'll have to think about that. One. Shoot, I don't know, man. I but what, know. so, what do you do on your day off? What do you? What can you do? What cannot you do? Um, you know, I uh, I, I rest. Um, I you know turn off my email, my work mm. email. I you know don't watch uh, you know non-religious or non-spiritual programming. Um, you know, I go to church usually Saturday, Sabbath morning. Uh, I spend time with my family. I basically try to take that day as a day away, and a day where I don't do anything that I normally would do during the other six days of the week, and really try to dedicate and consecrate that day to God, and, you know, relaxing and reconnecting and reading the Word. I mean, read the Word every day, but it's it's really a day of like, okay, Lord, you know, you said, you know, even in the Bible, I mean, it says on the seventh day he rested uh, in during creation. So I'm like, okay, God, there's 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 power in resting. Um, and so I want to tap into that power and that in the balance that it creates. So I, that day is really dedicated to just uh, unplugging, so to speak. Now I was doing some research on you before the show, and one interesting thing I found was it was written somewhere that you were celibate for ten years before you got married, and you, why? <laughs> Um, I was because I got to the place. I mean, you know, I grew up in, in like we said earlier, you know, in a Christian home, and and you know, it's always a very popular thing to say, hey, you know, you're waiting to have sex until you get married. Right. So I certainly did that. Uh, but in in high school, like, that must have been rough, though. Um, well, at first it wasn't. It wasn't rough until I got to a relationship. 
And then once you get into a relationship, you know. I had all the sex before marriage because after marriage you become celibate. <laughs> I can't touch that there. I can't <laughs> touch that one, man. Oh, man. I'm going to tell my wife that. I'm like, hmm, this is true. So I wasted my time, you know. <laughs> ten years of my life and you're giving me ten more. I love it. Um, um, you know, but what happened was, it, it, once I was in high school, you know, and started dating, getting a relationship, mm. uh, that changed. But what, what didn't change was I, I never was honest with people about it. So I was still telling people that I wasn't doing it while I was doing it, and I was a hypocrite. And then, as I started, you know, ministering more and I started speaking more, it, I just felt like I was living a double life. Because I was telling people one thing and I was doing something else in private, mm. and the 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 two different identities was just kind of tearing me personally apart. And I really just said, okay, you know, um, when this particular relationship, as it was coming to an end, I just said, okay, Lord, you know, I'm gonna uh, as this relationship stops, I'm gonna stop, you know, engaging uh, in sex because I just don't want to be the hypocrite, and and I just want to sacrifice this to you, and I'm gonna wait until we till marriage. And the thing that I that really was a motivator was, I thought about the end of my life, and I said, okay, if at the end of my life God says, Devon. You hear the things that I that we were able to do, but here are the things I wish we could do. We wish we could have done, but because you were unable to uh, employ obedience and discipline in that area, mm-hmm. I was unable to give you everything I had designed for you. And for me, I said, I don't want anything to be a barrier between what God has planned for me. So if that is going to be a barrier, then I'm going to stop, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to endure, because I want to become everything God created me to be. And that desire and the hunger for that was greater than my hunger and desire for You know, your thoughts are too divine for me. I'm just telling you the truth, man. But, But in those 10 years, you had relationships, though. Yes, I had relationships. So how'd you tell a girl... Clearly. That in the words of MC Hammer, I can't touch this. Clearly, we just start at the beginning. Hey, look, I just tell them, hey, this is my this is my commitment. So, do they think you're gay? No, 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 they wouldn't think that. But but what was interesting though is at times mm. they would think I didn't find them attractive. Yeah, that's women for you. Because it's always about them. <laughs> because many of their uh, the way that uh, some of the women that I dated, the way that they were uh, the way that love was communicated mm-hmm. you know was was through sex and so when that's not on Amen. the table it requires <laughs> a different language to be able to communicate that so you know many of them were just like hey do you really find me attractive do you really like me and i was like well of course yeah in this journey though in this journey of 10 years did you find that because the sex element was out that your relationship was actually deeper and stronger oh yeah it was it was fascinating because the connection that you make with someone Mm. is actually based upon real information because when you don't have that on the table you're able to see what's this person about what are they where are they going in life what do they really care about do i really like them like you're able to assess Mm. the, the 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 depth of the connection in a way that you feel more at peace because both of you realize, okay, we're not going to bring that into the bring that into our story because when you start having sex with someone, it clouds it because then your intention sometimes is just to do the act. 
And so you will overlook who someone is, what they're about, because you enjoy doing the act with them. And you can spend years with somebody who is totally taking you in the wrong direction. But when you take that off the table, Mm. I was able to evaluate, and they were able to evaluate me to say, hey, is this a guy I really like, and this is who I really want to be with? So, you know, I'm I'm definitely an advocate of it because it it really, really was, uh, was beneficial to me. Well, thank you for that. I'm still not enlightened, but I'll I'll uh, I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> you know, right. I think you're one of the most underrated talents we have in the industry, um, and I think you're just starting to emerge and get known. Uh, and I mean that as a compliment. Right. You know, out of everything you do, I think you've yet to experience that. Uh, defining breakthrough moments. So out of all these roles that you play in, in, in your working world, which one do you think will be your defining moment? Wow, Vip, man, you know, you know how to ask the questions, right? The deep questions, the things I have never thought about uh, before, you mm. know. Um, he, 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 tr- I mean, I truthfully, I don't know, right? But I think that that... The, the gift that God gave me naturally, the thing that I was born in this world with the ability to do, mm-hmm. is to speak, is to motivate, um, is to help people. That, now, that's that is, in front of people. Yes. Part of what you do is behind. Yes, yes. So my goal is to use everything, but mm-hmm. the thing, you're, when you're asking, what do I think is the thing that will help, you know, be the thing to kind of take me to that next plateau, so right. to speak? yeah. I, I would have to err on the side of my natural gifting. So what that actually looks like and what that means, I really don't know. But I feel like, you know, God has allowed so many of these things, you know, behind the scenes to lay the foundation for my natural talent and my natural gift. And what form that's going to take, not sure. But What would uh, you like it to be? You know, I really, you know, my, my deepest desire It's is... one out of four. Give me one. <laughs> or I'll give it to you. You can give it to me. I'll take it. Preacher. I think you'll want to be a preacher. I think you want that to be your defining moment. I don't know. Because here's the thing. Preaching, you know, has such a different connotation for so many people, right? And the truth of the matter is not everybody wants to be preached to. So, you know... A motivator, then, a communicator. Yeah, yeah a communicator, you know, an, an, an inspirational voice. I mean, my, my deep desire, I mean, I want to be, you know, one, one of the greatest, you know, motivators on the planet, you know, one of the greatest inspirational voices on the planet. That would be ideal, um, you know, so whatever, what form that's going to take, I don't know. Now, you're in the media business. Yeah. And it's a very cruel business. Yes. Because when you fail, you fail completely. Yes. When you succeed, you succeed completely. There are very few middle-of-the-road guys. Fear of failure, how would you manage that? Because you haven't really had bad press yet. Mm-hmm. All your films have done well. Well, not I, all of them, but, but some of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you're riding the wave at the moment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. How do you ever get up thinking that, you know, if, if something goes wrong today, yeah. how am I going to manage that? Uh, yeah, I think about it all the time. Mm. I mean, I think about it, you know, every, every day, every, you know, it, I probably think about it too much. Um, and, and I have to say to myself, and I, it's like, hey, wait a minute, you know, uh, God is in the plan. 
So as long as I adhere to his plan, whatever is supposed to happen will happen, and I'm okay with it because it's part of his plan. So well, that is destiny. Say it again. That is that destiny. is destiny. Yeah, absolutely. But in your world, which you can control, what God gives us, His world and our world, certain things we can control, but ultimately He decides. That's right. So in your area of control, how do you manage? If you fail, how have you managed the fear of that? I, you have to do it carefully. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, when you think about when I think about how I manage fear. Mm. It's a something that you that I consistently have to say, okay, like I can sit up here and be fearful about what hasn't happened yet. Right. And that just takes away the time from what I can control, like you said, which is the things that are right in front of my plate. And the notion that everything that I do uh, is going to be uh, successful, uh, I have already absolved myself from that, Right. You know, I mean, the movie that I did right before Heaven is Real was Sparkle, and, and, it, and it grossly underperformed, and I was devastated by that. Um, but what I realized through the process was, like, you can still make something, and it can still touch people. And, you know, what a blessing to be able to do a movie where Whitney Houston could have her last, you know, swan song, so to speak, and, and do something with integrity that would help kind of memorialize uh, one of the world's greatest legends – there's value in that, even mm. if it fell short from a box office standpoint. So dealing with that failure, I had to find the, the purpose in it, which helped me navigate through it. And when it comes to fear, I mean, listen, I, I'm starting my own production company, right? I, I you know, went to my, my boss and said, my bosses and said, hey, you know, I've been at the studio for nine years, and it's time for me to step out and start Franklin Entertainment. And, you know, they were very supportive, and they said, hey, you know, we want to set you up with the first look deal. But taking that step out of the executive boat is, is, a, is a totally a safe journey. There's no evidence necessarily that it's going to be successful, but I believe it, right? right. So I can either, in, in taking this leap, I had a choice. Say, like, okay, are you going to live in faith and just trust that, that, you know, trust God and do everything you can do every day to, to do the work, right? Or are you going to be fearful of like, oh my goodness, what if this doesn't work? What if that doesn't work? What if this fails? What if somebody writes something bad about me? Well, okay, guess what? What if it's all all of all of the above can happen? So let's not. I don't try to focus on uh, when it's going to happen. I can only control my response to it. But you and, focus on the very fact that you will still rise from the ashes they create. Absolutely. No. No. To me, no question. I, I don't. I don't have a doubt because when I'm on purpose and I'm on path and I'm doing exactly what God called me to do, then whatever comes along that path, it was designed. For that path, right? Yeah, so, so as long as I'm I'm living the life God called me to live, and I'm walking down the street He created, okay, there's gonna be some potholes. Okay, so I can accept the potholes because those are the potholes that He has allowed that are there to help me become who I'm supposed to be. Now, the pothole of fear that I allow because I'm too obsessed with it—that's something I can't live with. Now, three words for three of the strongest qualities you bring to those around you? Three words. Three words. Um, hope. Uh, peace. Um, and uh, uh, joy. Okay. So I asked you, what are the three strongest qualities? And you said hope, peace, and joy. Mm -hmm. 
You sound like a Christmas card. Well, you said the three qualities I bring to people that are around me. That's that's, that's what I do. Um, how about big bucks? One point three billion dollars. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a blessing to have been able to work on uh, movies that could do that, and and certainly you know uh, working with Will Smith is you know I mean he's just a giant, so to be able to work on those movies certainly has been a true blessing. But you know those are descriptive words of you, and I think you've chosen the right ones because I've seen you on YouTube, um, I've read some of the stuff on you, uh, the way you speak, the way you look. Um, you are inspiring. You're sort of very enthusiastic, um, but without like being overtly in your face. Yeah, yeah. Now let's turn the table around. Three weakest qualities. Three words. Whew. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, I feel like I'm on the game show here. Uh, the three weakest qualities would be. What did Megan say? <laughs> <laughs> Impatience, I don't think so. You waited 10 years to get yeah, lucky. Still, I mean, you know, that that's, that's a, that, that falls in a different category for me. Uh, impatience, um, sometimes too structured, right? Uh, and then um, uh, sometimes too critical. Of yourself or people around you? Both. On your weakest of days, apart from your belief in God, how do you inspire yourself to keep moving? Oh, man. You know, I think about um, my father. You know, my father died at, uh, uh, when he was 36 of a heart attack when I was nine years old. And I think about, you know, the things that he was uh, unable to do and the things that got cut short in his life. And I think about the the improbability of me being, you know, in this industry and having the success that I've had uh, and, you know, how he would think about me now, right? And the notion of, uh, you know, having come this far and thinking about the things that he was unable to do uh, and that there's still so much more for me to do. When I think about that, that helps motivate me. When I think about my mother and the sacrifices that she had to make uh, after my father passed away, we had to move in with my grandparents. Um, my mother had to get on uh, government assistance, you know. So we were raised, um, you know, for for the first you know few years after my father passed away. You look after your mother now? Uh, I do, I wow. do. Megan and I, we look after both our mothers. And um, you know, when I think about that, and I think about the sacrifice she made, uh, it, it is it's enough to keep me going because you know everything that I I become is is a validation of her sacrifice for me and my my older and younger brothers when we were that age, right? right. So those are the things that, that really uh, keep me going um, because I believe that I'm here for a larger purpose and a larger call. So we're being reminded of that helps na- has helped me navigate uh, those down days because there have been a lot of them, man. I mean, you know, when you people look at the outside and they say, oh, you know, hey, it's just this glorious position and all that. It's like, yo, you, you don't know uh, the inner workings uh, and all the challenges that are faced, that anyone faces. Uh, when you look at someone in a position, you don't know the story behind the position. So, well, our industry is a very cutthroat industry. Oh, man, very much so. Very, very much so. 
and and it takes a lot of uh you know persistence patience it takes a lot of um faith it takes a lot of courage uh it takes a lot of guts to be able to persevere and, and be successful and there are you know many days where you 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 know I felt like oh man you know how am I going to do this I'm I'm nowhere near where I want to be I'm not nowhere near doing the things that fulfill me. like there have been many of those days and on those days I I remind I have to remind myself of where I came from and that uh, it's really not about me right mm-hmm. that that you know anything that I do here I mean so many people including my family and people I come across uh, everywhere I travel who look at me and what I've been able to achieve as hope, right? So, you know, when someone can be inspired by what I'm doing, it, it, it's like, okay, I got to get up and keep keep moving. I have to get up and keep going um, because there's someone out there that even when I may not see it needs what I'm doing, even on the days when I, I may not feel like doing it. Now, let's talk about your body of work. All the movies have a very inspirational theme. To them, do you think the inspirational side is a passing fad, uh, and you're just you're you're riding that wave? No, I don't think inspiration is a passing fad at all, mm-hmm. um, because I think that you know when you look at entertainment specifically, right? Um, you know, go back to movies like Star Wars and Rocky <clears throat> and The Color Purple. I mean, I would argue these are some of the, the most inspirational movies ever. And we're talking about, you know, I mean, Star Wars, they're getting ready to make another one, right? Uh, so I think from, from an entertainment standpoint, I, I don't think inspiration, I think inspiration is timeless. When someone can be uh, affected in their life through a movie or a show mm-hmm. or even reading a book, there's, there's, you can't put a timestamp on that. And, and I believe that, that uh, it's here to stay. Um, and I think we just owe it. The, all those of us who, you know, are in this field and, and making content that can be labeled inspirational, we just owe it to ourselves to continue to, to find the truth in that content and tell that content from a truthful place uh, so that, that the inspiration in it is preserved and that it's received by the viewer in the way that it's intended. Um, and I think that if there's integrity in doing that, that we will continue to see the growth that we have seen and, uh, the growth will continue. Would you consider producing action movies? Absolutely, I'd love to. But that wouldn't be in conflict with your motivational and inspirational. Oh, no, this is the, this is the thing, and this is what you know. One of the things that I'm I'm determined to do right. is to expand the box of of what is what is labeled inspirational, right? And to do an action film where the characters are relatable and able to persevere through great obstacles and succeed. The whole idea is you can have an inspirational comedy, you can have an inspirational drama, a superhero movie. It really comes down to what is the movie about? What is the virtue the movie is exploring? And how do the characters uh, posit that virtue in a way that the audience leaves not only having had a good entertainment experience, but also maybe taking something uh, for their own life that is of value. So my goal is to be able to do inspiration in many different genres, in many different ways, because I view inspiration as incredibly broad. I mean, when you look at Star Wars, I think Star Wars is a massively inspirational uh, franchise, right? It's like, you got to believe in the Force. Well, I can't see it. Well, what is it? You know, like, it's, it's, it's so, so inspirational. And that's a superhero movie. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say superhero. It's a sci-fi movie, right? Right. So and it's a sci-fi fantasy movie. So... 
my goal is to expand that box and expand the definition because I think there's a lot of content that can actually be inspirational through a variety of genres. Now, how would you, you know how Hollywood is very quick to stereotype. Yeah. Um, so if they see you and they just see you as uh, in the genre of, of inspirational movies, yes. uh, feel good, family, you know, um, do you, how would you handle overcoming that image and, and being stereotyped? Well, see, I think this is a, this is a fascinating thing about stereotyping um, or the other label that, that what you're re- referencing is called is pigeonholing. Yes, pigeonholing. Right. So the thing about pigeonholing, and so many people don't want to be pigeonholed mm. because they fear that it's going to limit opportunity. But when you look at how to become you know, successful in, in not, I don't even think it's regulated to this business, but I'll regulate it to this business for the purpose of this example. When you talk about pigeonholing, it's like when someone can know or have an idea of who you are and what you do, and they can then begin to send you material or align you with people in the industry that have similar interests and similar goals and similar tastes, that actually allows you to build traction. It allows you to build your business, and it ultimately lays a foundation for you to become more successful. Traditionally, when when you're more kind of a generalist and people don't quite know what to bring you, that actually can limit opportunity. So I've always looked at, listen, I grew up, you know, I'm African-American, I'm Christian. Right, so those are two things that I am, and they're just part of what I do. So I had a choice working at the studio: mm-hmm. am I going to deny those things that I am in favor of the because I'm afraid of being pigeonholed, or am I going to use those things that I actually know and have an expertise in as the way to create opportunity? And I chose to use them as the way to create opportunity, and that opportunity has allowed me uh, a, a, a much of the success that I've had. So now moving into producing, I, I take the pigeonholing because I understand people are going to put me in a box, right. but then it's up to me what I do with that box. It's up to me on how I expand that box, right? And so I'm okay. I'm like, hey, people, no matter what I say, people are going to you know, want to say what they want to say until they meet me. And that's okay. Hey, this is Devon. He's an inspirational guy. Cool. All right, cool. And then when we get in the room and we talk about what it is that I want to do or we talk about this project, then that's the opportunity to expand the box that they may want to put me in. And because I know the box that I'm living in is the box God created me to be in, right? right? I don't get too caught up in people's preconceived notions, but I understand that they're preconceived notions. So you use it to enter the room. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. you change the rules of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I try to encourage people all the time. I'm like, listen, don't think of pigeonholing initially as a bad thing because everyone's like, I don't want to be known for this. Here's the thing. Being known for being an expert at something is actually a great thing. But do they stereotype you that all you can make is African-American-based movies or with an African-American cast? Do they stereotype? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. I'm not getting that stereotype as right. much as I am the stereotype about making inspirational con- content. Right. Right. So, so 
I'm, I'm, I think my stereotyping is racial content, not so much just African American. But the good news about me being producer, being a producer and starting Franklin Entertainment, is that I want to make great movies that can inspire the world. I want to make movies that can capture the diversity of our culture. I want to do all of that, right? So someone may bring me something, or they may think of me in a certain way. But the more we get to interact, I have no doubt that the way they think of me will broaden. And here's the other thing: when you have content in the marketplace. The people that are already predisposed to find it, as long as they know that it's there, they're going to gravitate towards it, right? right. When you look at Heaven is for Real, you know, a movie that I was able to get made at Sony, it was not a movie that was deemed, you know, oh, this is a movie for these people or that people. That movie, we're almost about to cross 100 million worldwide. That is that. Ka-ching. That is, amen. It has proven to be a movie for everybody, right? right? Because there's a lot of people that that wonder about death. There are a lot of people that wonder about heaven. There are a lot of people that have questions about God and Jesus. So the idea to be able to do a movie that can be that successful already proves out the concept that, okay, if the pigeonholing helped me get the movie made, the way that we made the movie was always with a broad perspective to reach as many people as possible. Now, do you have a particular script in mind that were, that you believe in, but everyone else has refused, that you think would be a success? Um, I don't have that yet. I mean, the things that I'm working on and will be working on as a producer are the things, some of the things that I've already bought here at Sony that I was developing as an executive that now I'll be producing on. Mm-hmm. So those things have already been given a yes because we bought them, right? So, um, you know, I'm waiting to see. There's a movie that I'm working on now about uh, the first uh, blind wrestling team uh, in the country. Blind wrestling team. Yeah, blind wrestling team. Blind wrestling high, high schools. It's a true story. Mm. And and the lead guy ends up becoming a wrestling hall of famer. And they wrestle sighted. Uh, uh, they wrestle other wrestlers that wrestlers that are sighted. So um, incredible story called Unleash the Mules. And that's something that you know I'm putting together now. And I'm also a producer on the Masters of the Universe He Man franchise uh, from the '80s. So we're bringing that back. Really excited about that. Uh, working on a follow up to Heaven Is for Real. Uh, have another inspirational. Story sports movie about a you know a young quarterback who uh, ended up going to jail and finds redemption um, at JSU. So I have a lot of things that I'm working on right now, and I think we're just waiting to see as those scripts come in how those stories fall into place. And my deal isn't just limited to film. I also am branching into television um, and going to be looking to do things in that space as well. What would you do on TV? Um, my hope is to produce you know, content, produce some shows, whether they be scripted or non-scripted, and then also, you know, continuing to further my work in front of the camera. Uh, I did an episode of a new show that will premiere on Oprah's network called The Help Desk that uh, Deepak Chopra produced, and I, uh, me and like a Yann Levan Zant and, and um, a bunch of other, you know, great spiritual teachers, each one did an episode, and so I'm on that episode, and I counsel about you know fifteen to twenty people on their issues. So that'll begin airing in September. Uh, I'm taping another show for Fox called The Daily Helpline. That's in syndication this summer. I just co-hosted Entertainment Tonight with Nancy O'Dell. So I'm continuing to you know make inroads into work in front of the camera as well as behind the camera. You know, but while you were talking, there seems to be a, a, a theme here, and everyone seems to be needing help. In oh, this yeah. day and age when we have so much, we oh, yeah. still need help. Oh, yeah. What are you finding that people want help for? They want help with 
understanding I, I, the greatest the greatest need, which is it's kind of the the subtext of the help, right? Because people come and they say, "Hey, I want help for my career. I want help for my relationship. Uh, I want help because I have this dream and, and and I've been pursuing it and it's not happening." What happened to the two words "help yourself"? <laughs> well, but you know the greatest help that I, I realized that the subtext of all of all of what people need is really perspective. It's perspective. Give me perspective. Um, help me un- help me attain perspective on what I'm going through, or where I am, or what I'm dealing with. Because when I can get perspective on what I'm going through, it then gives me the ability to handle it, manage it, and push through it. A lot of what I hear people struggling with is they don't understand. They're like, hey, you know, I put in my resume, you know, a million times. What am I supposed to do? What they're trying to do is get perspective on how can I navigate this? Do I really have what it takes? If I have what it takes, why am I being rejected? So giving perspective on how to navigate it and where they are is the missing link that they need in order to continue to pursue the thing that they are driven to pursue. So what you're saying is evaluate, reevaluate. Yes. And stop doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the other thing. Some of sometimes it's just a matter of being persistent and consistent and keep showing up. I taught did a Bible study last week uh talking from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and we were dealing with the story of Hannah. And you know Hannah was unable to have children. And every year her and her husband Elkanah and his other wife Penina would go up to Shiloh where they would do a sacrifice and they would go to the temple. And every year Penina would make Hannah feel badly about not being able to have children. But every year she would still go into the temple and she would pray. And every year she kept showing up. And one year Eli, the priest, was there, overheard her prayer, and ultimately was the one that told her, now your issue is dealt with, you will have children, and she did. And I tell that story because I'm saying to people, sometimes it's just a matter of time. Just keep showing up. Nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with your dream. Mm -hmm. You just have to stay consistent and persistent, and you would be shocked at how your consistency and your persistence will ultimately bring about the very thing that you desire most right now. And then you should be holding up your book, Produced by Faith. Yes. $24.99. Yes. yes. How much is it? <laughs> no, I think it, on uh, Kindle you get it for, you know, was it, I don't know, fourteen ninety nine <laughs> or <laughs> iTunes, you know what I mean? It's not that, it's not that much. No, I know. Um, yeah. uh, just kidding. But what's it about? Um, Because it's got a lot of relevance to what you do in the media business, the words produce, the words faith, and then you brought them together. Yes. You know, the goal of Produced by Faith is, is, you know, it's it's called, um, you know, finding true success without losing your true self, right? Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to put a manual in the world to help anyone reading the book to understand how they could pursue uh, the depth of their desires of their heart and do it in a way where they preserve their identity without losing their identity in, in the pursuit. And so I use the metaphor of making a movie because as a studio executive, when, as I was writing the book, I said, well, I know how to develop material and I know how to get material made. So why not use that as a metaphor to help the reader look at their life as a movie? And there are two sections of the book, development and production, because before you can produce a script, it has to be developed first. And I have the reader look at their life as a script in development, and each chapter in the development section 
gives the reader information on where their story is and the things they need to do to move their story closer to production. And then the production section, every chapter is about, okay, now that you're in production in life, you know, what about marketing yourself? How do you handle, you know, distribution? You know, how do you handle the sequel of your life? I really walk through every aspect of the movie-making process so that the reader can see, this is where I am, this is where I want to be, and they have tips and tools on some things that they might be missing in their current stage to move their story forward. But, you know, there's a lot of focus from a lot of uh, inspirational people about being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, a, a great message, and, and it is right. But in the real world, we all have to change, though, don't we? We can't be ourselves in, in the workplace, necessarily. We do or have to adapt to a certain code of ethics, to a certain... Uh, professional way of looking, of of acting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what confuses me. Mm-hmm. Well, see, if I was myself, I'd be fired. <laughs> I doubt that, Jim. I doubt it. Uh, if I was myself, I'd be divorced, <laughs> bankrupt. <laughs> but see, Viv, I think I, I my personal belief mm. is that philosophy and buying into that prevents some of the greatest thoughts and ideas ever from coming to fruition. Yep, I'll give you that. Yep. Because if I, before I get into a situation and evaluate it for myself, if I tell myself the situation I'm getting ready to experience before I experience it is going to require me to be different than I truly am, before I have evidence of that, mm-hmm then I limit what is possible once I experience the experience, and I limit what is possible while I'm there. I, so I don't subscribe to that philosophy, and I encourage others not to subscribe to that philosophy. Identity, it is very, very hard to hold on to, but those that do find the most success. Because the thing that makes us unique is the thing that the company ultimately really wants. A a person who can come to a company and still understand the rules of engagement and be great at those rules, but also preserve their unique point of view and use that unique point of view to create value for an institution that otherwise that value would not exist, those are the people that find unprecedented success. And it is not easy, but when you do it, there's nothing you can't do. Because when you when you edit your identity and who you are in the, all those unique things and say that I can't be my true self, you leave that stuff outside, right? right? But that's the stuff you need to stay competitive when you're inside. Because the only thing that's going to distinguish you between between the person in one office and the other office is who you are. What makes you unique? What makes you different? And if there's, and if when, when it comes time to go down the call sheet and your bosses look at who's in who's, which office, they're looking for something that's distinctive. And if two people are the same, then someone's going to have to go, right? Because it's like, well, they're the same. They're interchangeable. The goal is to not be interchangeable. The goal is to be great at what you do, understand your industry like nobody else, but still continue to fight to find a way to do it the way that you've been called to do it while preserving exactly who you are. So you treat everyone's life like a movie. My life's a movie. Your life's a movie. Mm -hmm. 
How would you like yours to end? <laughs> Shoot, man. Uh, I would love for my movie to end uh, the same way that I talk about in the book. At the end of the day, you know, I just can't wait to see uh, Jesus, man, and the idea that uh, I would have lived in a way where, you know, he can say, well done, uh, that would be more than an amazing end to my story. Mm, very profound. Your future. What's in store for us from you? Uh, in store. What's around the corner for us? Yeah, from Franklin Entertainment, <laughs> coming to a screen near you. That's right, coming to a, the big screen and the little screen, um, all screens, man. You know, what's up for me is, you know, just, just getting this company started. And, uh, you know, as I talked about some of the er, the movies earlier, mm -hmm. you know, there will be, you know, Masters of the Universe, Unleash the Mules, and a follow-up to Heaven is for Real, among other, you know, great movies, uh, working on television in front of and behind the camera, uh, follow me on social media. Uh, I do, you know, inspirational post quotes every single day uh, because I want to make sure that whoever is, wherever they are, and going through whatever you're going through, that you can look at my page and find some inspiration and some hope uh, to keep going, to keep believing, and keep trusting. So you can expect me to continue to grow uh, in this space. Uh, I'm not always going to do everything perfect, so I'm I'm hoping that uh, that. People will give me some grace here and there, but uh, ultimately, my my what you can expect is to you know see God's uh, presence in my life and to find a way to continue to uh, contribute to this culture uh, in a positive, impactful, and uplifting way. Devon, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Zip. I really, really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a multi-talented Devon Franklin. Thank you for listening. A special shout-out of thanks to my dream team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. Your comments and your followers are so very welcome on my Twitter account at Vip Jaswal and my Facebook page, The Vip Jaswal Report. I wish you and your loved ones Godspeed on your journey of faith. And until next Sunday, have a productive and a happy week ahead.